Hello, my name is Denis Azavagic. Hi, my name is Eugenia Moliner and I'm very glad that Scott from All Strings Considered is having fun asking us questions. <laughs> we are the Cavatina duo. This, this is, is All Strings, strings Considered. Again, again, I thought I learned it all in a year, you know, and it's like, oh, so much to learn. Because Dennis comes from this point, Eugenia comes from this point, but at the end you meet somewhere in the middle. And this is how it is. So we start from very, very different perspectives and then we get to meet each other somewhere in, in between. Hey everyone, and welcome back to All Strings Considered. I'm your host, Scott Wolf. Today, you'll be hearing from one of the top flute and guitar duos in the world. They're called Cavatina Duo. All Strings Considered is brought to you in part by Guitar Salon International, the world's largest selection of fine classical and flamenco guitars and accessories, and by Audible.com. To get a free audiobook of your choice, go to audibletrial.com allstrings. There are over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. A husband and wife duo comprised of Bosnian guitarist Denis Azabagic and Spanish flautist Eugenia Moliner, when Cavatina duo is not performing concerts all over the world or teaching as artist faculty at Roosevelt University in Chicago, they've somehow found the time to record five CDs, are regularly featured in international festivals, and all of this, in addition to Dennis's 10 or so solo CDs, one of which will come out at the end of this month, along with a couple instructional DVDs, a book, the list just goes on and on. I was able to catch Dennis and Eugenia at GFA this last summer in the lobby of their hotel. So, in addition to their thoughts and wisdom, you'll hear a fair amount of elevator and vacuum cleaner noise, too. On today's show, you'll hear the duo's take on recording CDs in a world where consumers are less and less likely to actually go out and buy one. You'll hear how their marriage actually benefits their professional collaborations, about the advantage of studying with a teacher who's not a guitarist, and of course, lots of great music. Let's begin today's episode with Cavatina Duo's take on making recordings and their take on the value of live performance. No, I mean, we had a conversation like a couple of weeks ago, you know, you do not make money out of the sale of CD. That's completely gone. That's the sort of status of the recording industry, at least in the classical world. The CDs are absolutely necessary. I think you still try to contribute to the creation of the repertoire to bring new things out. To reach people that otherwise wouldn't be able to come. You're making a certain kind of work that gets you noticed and it keeps you out there for people to see what you're doing. Not necessarily that because of the CD people get to hire you. I think very often that actually it's not a case at all. Presenters very much want live recording, you know, or they yes. want to see yes. clips. Let's see your, yeah. your YouTube. Yeah. And, 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 and I know with our manager who's, who's all the time telling us, okay, when are you gonna give me some, you know, video recording where yeah, you're when when you doing do these jokes and things like that. So, you know, because they want to see the interaction of the performers and the audience, what happens on the stage, and you can't do that with the CD. CDs is simply a different kind of display of your work. I've, I remember many, many years ago, you remember my first teacher, Predrag, 
when he said, oh, you know, the Japanese made this machine that, that, that you put guitar in the machine and it plays, you program and it plays everything. It presses every fret perfectly, plucks everything. Like, really? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's just, you know, well, it's like electric piano. I mean, you know, the, 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 the keys play themselves. Uh-huh. You know, it's still mechanism behind it, but, but like a player it's piano programmed that, that, that does it. But then, then it's the thing, what you say, nothing is going to replace a human element. Yeah. Nothing. Technology will never replace a human element. It gets better, but and, it never replaces. And in this case, you are talking about a live performance. Nothing replaces a live performance. Yes. Going to the concert, living the concert, is is living those emotions is what this is about. You go to the cinema and you see this movie that has been super edited and it's, you know, it's wow, yeah, the movie, wow, it's perfect, you know, they act perfect because they repeat the same scene like hundred times until the director is happy. But what happens when you go to the theater? Theater is magic. Live performance is magic. Because everybody who is listening there is part of that. The energy we all have and the emotions that we all have when we are listening to live think is incredible. Yes. That's why nothing can be compared to that and, and that cannot be captured. Speaking of the energy of live performances put me in mind of another thing I hear from performers a lot. That idea of a good crowd or a bad crowd. A good one being the one that provides, for lack of a better term, feedback to the performer. Giving us the sense that the crowd is in a way supporting them, making the performance feel almost effortless. Whereas a bad crowd is one where the performer feels they need to expend a lot more effort to get their artistic point across. It's really obvious with a stand-up comedian. They often have to deal with a downright hostile audience member. But there's something similar but more subtle that happens in all live performances. It's some energy that yeah. sometimes it's missing. And, and, and the interesting thing is that, you know, we would experience that sometimes. And we would go backstage and we'd be like, my God, I mean, they don't like it at all. This is, oh, this is so hard. This is a work. You know, and then after the concert, you get the completely opposite reaction. And, you know, it's just that, as you say, maybe the crowd didn't have that energy or maybe they just didn't express themselves in a way that it's more Feeds outgoing, the, yeah. that, that it gets you more excited and that, you know. I see it differently. What I see uh, is that sometimes when you perform, you get lucky enough to have this kind of people or crowd that will give you such a feedback and then everything else you do you compare it to that so compared to that everything is like oh these are not that good because you know you see how they were we always tend to compare it to the best to the one moment so that moment becomes kind of your you know wow that was amazing yeah. so if nothing comes close to that you are like oh this crowd is not so good but they are good too you know yes. everybody has a different ways of, of expressing how how they feel you know i finish the concert and somebody comes to me this concert yes this lady come she's a musician i didn't know she was a soprano she told me later she uh. says this is what she says she says you are music i can't tell you anything else you are music and when you are music everything can happen and that's so emotional for me because, wow. And then somebody else comes in and he just looks at me, smiles, and just kind of hugs me like this. And I know that that means a lot too, but this person cannot verbalize it. Right. So everybody has their way of expressing and some things connect more with us than others. Uh-huh. And with experience, you get to realize that audience are 
you know, like an individual thing sometimes. Uh-huh. You, you, you kind of see, oh, this audience are more responsive, this audience are less. And this happens when you also go to different cultures. So when you go to Asia, for example, when we have played many times in Taiwan, mm-hmm. the crowd goes wild. Or in China, no, they loved us like crazy. They bought all our CDs after two days. Our 200 CDs were gone. It was it was really <laughs> so ridiculous. He made some money. Yeah. <laughs> he made yeah. some money on CDs. Yeah, right yeah. Now. But the, 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 this is crazy. But that doesn't mean that when we play, for example, in in Texas, in this uh, series that we played, that the presenters were so enthusiastic when they took us for lunch. Oh, everybody's looking for, and there were more than 1,000 people listening to us, mm. and I I felt feedback but more restraint more restraint Cavatina Duo has a really nice CD as far as I know made exclusively of works that have been dedicated to them it is titled The Balkan Project and I'm going to play you three of a set of four Macedonian pieces by Miroslav Tadic
So you two are a duo, but you are also married, right? <laughs> yes, we so are. So how did you meet and how did you start playing together? We met in Rotterdam in 1991. At a festival? No, 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 no. no. We met, uh, I went there to study flute from Spain and Dennis went there because the war had already started to happen in former Yugoslavia. Dennis was 18 at the time and his parents just sent him to some family member that he had in Rotterdam in order to avoid being drafted. I went to Rotterdam to study flute with a fl flute teacher. I made audition, but for him it was a completely different story. But we still ended up meeting. I had a friend there who was a guitarist from Spain and he came to me one day and he says, oh my God, there is this guy from Yugoslavia, his name, he didn't tell me the name, he says he's 18 and he plays like, wow, he's playing Spanish music. He's playing Vicente Asensio, not only Spanish, but, but from Valencia, you know, uh -huh. and I grew up with that music. Vicente Asensio lived in my town. His wife and him were from my province, from Valencia. I mean, it's like crazy. I meet him and the first thing I tell him is, I want you to play for me. And he says, oh, I want you to play for me. Um, so he played for me Collectisinti. And I grew up with those melodies. Uh -huh. So for me, I was like, oh, wow. And uh, love came first. I was far from being able to play at his level. I started playing the flute when I was 15. So uh -huh. when I was 22, I was still, you know, uh -huh. kind of... Uh, uh, on the road. Yeah, on the road. So Dennis was already competing and doing things. Mm. The duo came much later. I never mm. ever in my wildest dream when I met Dennis thought that I would end up playing in a duo with him. That came out of doing certain pieces there in the conservatory together uh -huh. and then playing around and people start to like it and, and uh, our my teacher, who was also his teacher for a while, my flute teacher was also his teacher. Oh. Music is Theory music. Or, no. Or lessons. Lessons. Music lessons. Oh, interesting. You see, when I heard, I went a few times just to watch her lessons and kind of things that this teacher of her was telling her just resonated so much because it was speaking in such a musical terms and I remember several times you know how I would go and meet a teacher and be full of myself and think oh you know I play so well I'm such a great you know player so. <laughs> and then and then you have a lesson he opens such a world of knowledge to you you know that after you become so humble humbled and realized and also always it was like a, such a present because it just opens up a world mm -hmm. that excites me you know and says yeah. oh my god there is so much to learn you know this teacher that i spoke to you before ivanovich you know when i had first lesson with him i was like oh my god so much to learn who was it Vojslav Ivanovich. This is my guitar teacher okay. in, in Sarajevo. Uh -huh. Then I go to Zagreb to the same teacher of, of Zoran Dukic. Mm -hmm. right? I thought, you know, after a year spent with Ivanovich, I learned oh, no. so much. So I go to, to Zagreb <laughs> and it's the same. Darko, oh, Darko, Darko Petrinjak. Darko, Darko Petrinjak. Yeah. So I learned, I, you know, first lesson with him, I'm like, oh my God. There's this whole other world on this Again? Thing. <laughs> Again? I thought I learned it all in a year. You know? <laughs> and it's like, oh, so much to learn. 
But what I find it very significant how her teacher, whose name is Johache, Dutch, he just um, he died. Oh. Yeah. Very young. When when mm. I was learning from him, he would speak about guitar piece. He, I remember when he would tell me, you know, I don't know about guitar, I don't know technique, but I'll tell you how I feel. Mm. Can you do this or can you do that? So those were musical idea completely non non subjected non- to a, a guitaristic view. Limitations. You know, so it was just pure musical ideas. Mm. And he would speak to me about the pieces. I remember playing in Los Trigales for him, you know, Rodrigo. to me and he taught me to think about every piece in orchestral way so when you hear if you play that piece then you envision how that from that single system that we have and everything is really there you know you just feel like that can expand into an orchestral and then score still, you and how each start to see voices and, yeah. and, and harmonies that you didn't think they were there not only when you say about identifying the melody or, or accompaniment or, or a bass line it's identifying more things and identifying how the instruments would carry a certain line, which character, perhaps, you know, string section would play it versus wind section, mm-hmm. how they would trade off, how they would blend into one another from one, you know, part to another, you know, how the bass section would maybe do it pizzicato and uh-huh. you have to, you know, do it in, in one way. So, let's say the flute comes in with that, uh-huh. you know. All right, this is going to be super cheesy, but I'm going with it. Then you would have the answer. Uh-huh. You know, strings doing that section, keeping the rhythm. Uh-huh. And then, you know, it's, it's just like that, sort of orchestrating it in your head. You yeah. know, I mean, you have Mussorgsky, fantastic piece for, for piano, right? You have Ravel, or you have Ashkenazi, who have done it and orchestrated it. You know, so every time you you, you know, you just hear those instruments how they play it. You know. Mm. So Eugenia mentioned hearing Dennis play Vicente Asensio's Collectisi Intim for her when they first met which was especially important for her because Asensio is from her home of Valencia, and he uses Valencian melodies in those pieces. If you've heard Vladimir Gorbach's episode of All Strings, you've already heard a few of those. So instead, I'm going to play you the first and last movement of Asensio's Suite Valenciana, which is one of my personal favorites. Dennis has also recorded Asensio's complete solo works for guitar on his album of that same name, but given in Spanish. So if you're going to check this one out, you might want to search for it in Spanish, which is Obras Completas para Guitarra Sola. So here's Dennis playing the first and third movement of the Suite Valenciana by Vicente Asensio. (laughs) 
All Strings Considered is brought to you in part by Audible.com, and they're offering the listeners of All Strings Considered a free audiobook download to check out their service. Right now, I'm listening to Death by Black Hole and Other Cosmic Quandaries by Neil deGrasse Tyson. So far, it's been really fun. It's a cool intro into what we actually know about the universe and how we figure those things out, and all explained in such a way that a non-science person like myself can understand it. You can also totally geek out, like I do, and check out maybe Guy Gavriel Kay's Tigana, or great renditions of any of those J.R.R. Tolkien books. To get your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash allstrings. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash allstrings. My wife and I, she's a dancer. I would say almost every time we play together, we get in a fight. So... <laughs> Do you guys have a way of keeping it separate? The... No way. <laughs> you know, going back to the beginning of our conversation about CDs, you know, our next release should be one, one, one thing is a CD with the music, another CD is like, you know, how it was made. Right? So Dennis is releasing his new CD in October yes. with this great record company, Cedil Records from, from Chicago. Okay. And we are in the process of doing our next CD also. We are learning the music and recording it as we go along uh-huh. for Brits Records New York, which will be our second CD with them. But we also record for Cedil Records. We have, in uh-huh. fact, recorded with them two CDs and... Uh, it's C-E-D-I-L-L-E, C-D in French, yeah, it's a French word. But you've noticed how she shifted the subject. Yes, she did, so but come on, I want to hear about fight. Very quickly. <laughs> no, you know, you know you we have a very good and dear friend, Sergio Assad, uh-huh. who we love him very much and he loves us, and our love also comes with another package, which is honesty, and, and he can see how we are. Brutal honesty. Brutal honesty, really? and he can see how we are, you know, we oftentimes, uh, when we had, for example, to do the Piazzolla CD, we, of course, we asked him uh, to listen to us, and because he did many of the arrangements, and uh, which we are so thankful, uh-huh. he even composed the guitar part in some of the pieces, mm. and he, he would always say, you know, you guys, 
you guys, it's incredible because how you both are, how your character is, is incredible that this is the result. Because Dennis comes from this point, Eugenia comes from this point, but at the end you meet somewhere in the middle. <laughs> and this is how it is. So we start from very, very different perspectives and then we get to meet each other somewhere in, in between. And we are both very strong character, although I am the one who obviously more clearly looks very, you know, fiery. But Dennis is a very fiery person too. <laughs> he doesn't look like because you don't know him. But once you get to know him, then you see it. And I know him very good. Uh -huh. So he's very strong-minded, like I am. Uh -huh. And of course our ideas collide and we have kind uh -huh. of uh, strong arguments about uh -huh. music and about the way we, we do. It's it's learning process for, you know, personal and matrimonial in, in so many aspects. I mean, you're creating a, a quartet with a violin and, and cello. Yes, we're doing and that too. they are a married couple also. <laughs> you know, so they are much worse than us. Also <laughs> nice. Yes. And, but they it, keep going. But they keep going. Apart, no, right? but what I'm trying to say is like, you know, you see the interaction that would occur between me and Eugenia or two of them but not between me and them or you understand what i mean uh -huh. i mean in between couple you don't let go of until you get what you want in a sense you know what I'm saying? you yes. can push the, those those boundaries a little more whereas if you're a colleague if you say two three times about one idea and doesn't come across perhaps you would say okay you know maybe maybe i don't insist anymore because you know I do, i'm not like that i'll insist no, you keep going oh yeah, yeah. But he forgets and, and he I keeps... Forget. No, it's not only that I forget, but it's, it's not only that, but it's also sort of like a reaction. You know, no, no, nobody likes to be told all the time, like, what it's not to all do. the time. Like, we don't like to be told what to do. No. We like to ask, you know, what do you think I can do? Can I do this better? And then somebody tells you something, okay, you know. But to be pushed, and this is really where you get the most of the results, the best results. When you are when somebody has a vision, when you are pushed. I, I really think so, because if you have a vision about something, right, if you have a passion or something, you don't let it go until you're satisfied that that what you have envisioned comes to fruition. Yes. And in order for that to happen in an environment when you don't work alone, yes. you have to push. You have to challenge, you have to, you know, in a way sometimes stimulate and sometimes just push the edge. But push sounds weird. So, like, the, the, the pushing is no. because there is always, let's put it the other way around, well, let's friction, turn it around. Right? No, there is resistance. Yes. Because any anytime I want to say something, it's immediately the resistance yeah. of like, ah. Uh. She's my producer of every CD that I would do. Oh, really? So and you, I would you not, that you would do, not that you did. That, you, that I did, because nobody will push me like she as does. she does. First, she knows very well how far I can go. She has a great musical ideas and she will push for those till she gets the result. <laughs> and then again, you know, as I say, you know, after five, six, seven takes, I will say, no, I don't want anymore. I said, no, you have a choice. And she, yeah, and she says, yeah, I don't like that phrase. Yeah. You yeah. have to fix that phrase. <laughs> yeah. And I don't care who's listening there. Yeah. I'm going to so, say what so, I'm going to say. And, and, I'm, and I'm, you know, and I, I have my pride. So I'm very sensitive being spoken to and told what to do or how to do it better, you know, and special in front of someone else. Yeah. It's something in me. It's a learning thing, I guess, for both of us. You know, because I also find that sometimes I sense that sometimes she also finds the way to say some things, perhaps not just you know straight to my face, but just a little bit around. A little bit subtle. And and you know, I'm and I'm much more at ease to to do it. And that probably definitely comes from being married. You learn how to speak to each other in a we way. We are twenty that, years. Yeah. So you married. know how to speak to each other, and you know how to make each other angry. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. 
like trial by fire or something. You know that you're in agreement on the piece because we fought so hard for it and we're both finally in agreement. But before, before we were so many years together, you kind of don't know those things, you don't get there, but now you have done it for many years and you know the results are gonna be good. And for something good to happen, most of the time there is a bumpy road. So it's, it's like that. But we, we need to do it in a way that we don't exhaust each other, that we don't overdo it, and that's what we are learning with experience. Before I leave you with some more great music from Cavatina Duo, let me just say thanks for listening to All Strings Considered. I'm your host, Scott Wolf. All Strings Considered is brought to you in part by Guitar Salon International, the world's largest selection of fine classical and flamenco guitars and accessories. If you're sitting at work listening to the show or playing on your smartphone maybe while you listen, how about taking a second to rate All Strings Considered on iTunes, like it on Facebook, or maybe follow on Twitter at All Strings. I'm going to leave you with this set of Piazzolla pieces that the duo mentioned working on with Sergio Assad. This album is all music by Piazzolla and is titled simply Music of Piazzolla. The duo was particularly happy with this recording of Piazzolla's Four Seasons, titled Cuatro Estaciones Porteñas. Porteño refers to the port cities of Buenos Aires. It is of course in four movements, and Piazzolla begins his set with summer, then moves through fall and winter to end in spring. It was my pleasure to introduce you to Cavatina Duo today. Until next time, enjoy this set. Thank you.
Thank you. 